And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We had a little bit of music there. It sounded a little little weird, Ken, but I guess it came out okay at your end. <laughs> What'd you do to the board this week? No, dude? no, it, it's fine. It sounded good here. Just a little loud, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Might have been just my, uh, my reception. At any rate, I am Dr. Bill. I got Ken by my side, and we're doing a radio show this morning. Got a lot of things to go over. It's been a busy week, and uh, a lot of questions and concerns with this GM, Chrysler, United Auto Workers strike. Ford's in on it, too, I guess. Why not? And, you know, Ken, what they're asking for is, uh, at least it seems to the outsiders that it's a lot of money, and uh, we'll go over that in a little bit. But, you know, the actual income of American homes has dropped 4.7% since its peak in 2019. Now, some of that, I'm sure, is due to the pandemic, but a lot of it is, is due to inflation. This is inflation-adjusted median household incomes because, as you know, the wage base has gone up, but the inflationary rate has gone up higher than the wage rate has gone up. So we got a mess. We got a mess, and uh, it's not good for the uh, Democrats. And, uh, you know, they've become the party of the elite of the left-wing elite. And they used to be the party of the people. Now it looks like Trump's more the party of the people. <laughs> Go figure that out, dude. <laughs> he speaks the people's language. And he speaks what the people are thinking. And uh, so that's that's a unique situation there. And so who's the real winner and loser in this GM strike? Who do you think? Uh, the, oh, man. They're not going to get their 40%. Go. That's never going to happen. I'll let you go first. So you you think they're not going to come out of it that I great? Don't, not, no, not really. I'll tell you who I think the real winner is. Who's that? Elon Musk. Elon, yes. <laughs> And Tesla, That's you know, right. his sales, well, if they decrease the production of their cars, and of course, it's going to hurt their electric vehicles, Ford and, and uh, GM and Chrysler, uh, because that's where they're putting a lot of their effort into. If if they get hurt there, then Elon's going to sell more Teslas, and he's better positioned to uh, to uh, go into a price war with them, and he has, around the globe he has, he's come down and he, he tells everybody he's coming down 50% on the next generation of his Teslas. Can you believe that? 50%. Uh, 50%. That's incredible. That's incredible. And, It'll be like uh, uh, the, you know, the Model A. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's really what he wants to be. He wants to be the Henry Ford of the 21st century. Well, if he can bring, if he can bring the price down 50 cents, he'll do it. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know the estimates that the, the average uh, hourly wage in Detroit is sixty six dollars an hour, according to industry data, and that compares with forty five dollars at Tesla, which isn't unionized and wasn't even alive twenty years ago. So uh, meeting all of the union's demands would push the hour, average hourly wage cost to one hundred and thirty six dollars for Detroit companies. Wells Fargo estimates one hundred and thirty six dollars, Ken. I mean, you know, that's that's double, double the price. So what's going to happen to the price of cars that are made domestically? They're going to go way up. up. Yeah, way yeah up. they're going to go up. And what's going to happen to sales? Go way down. They're all going to be driving Teslas. And so where are the jobs going to go? <laughs> they're going out of the country. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> I mean, th this is craziness. This is just craziness. Uh, you know, the these left-wing loonies, they say, well, we want to bring jobs home. No, they don't. <laughs> They want to destroy jobs. They want to destroy us. 
Well, there. you know, I don't think they're never they're going to they're not going to get their forty percent. But I think it'll be interesting because I don't think we've had a major automaker strike during the Tesla era, have we? So this will be the first. I thought we had one back in the teens, but I can't remember. Maybe it wasn't that major. Well, I got a phone call coming in. Hang on, Doc. Okay. Meanwhile, while we're waiting for that phone call, uh, Fain, who is the president of the United Auto Workers, he's the union guy, and they have 146,000 auto workers in that union. By the way, all union uh, members have dropped over the past 20, 30 years. And at any rate, he says that when people say, well, look, you got all this competition from uh, from Tesla and from Elon Musk, and he says, competition is just a way to drive us into the ground. So I guess that not only are we not male or female, but we're not supposed to be competitive either. And I think we've been seeing this going on for a long, long time. And uh, Ford Motor, the I saw the president of Ford Motor and the uh, president of uh, GM on TV, and they were both wringing their hands. Now, can they absorb this cost? Well, no. the auto industry is very heavily uh, debt-laden, and this is part of the problem that they got into back in the twenty in the 2008-9-10 recession when they had the big reorganization of uh, GM and, and Chrysler. And, uh, you know, they ended up dumping a lot of their debt by giving the bondholders, uh, preferred stockholders, 50 cents on the dollar. Well, we got a caller who'd like to chime in on the subject, if you don't mind. Who is it? Well, let's find out. Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. It's Ian in Clearwater. Clearwater. Okay. What do you want? What do you want to talk about the uh, union thing here? There's going to be a bunch of losers and winners. I'll just go through three or four and then go away. Uh, it's going to be China and third world countries because production's going to shift even more overseas, and it's going to be robots and automation for the remainders that stays in the U.S. And it might even be some southern states. Uh, so-called red states where there's no unions and right-to-work laws. But ultimately, they're going to lose out there in those blue states because the production's unsustainable. You just can't, you can't pay auto workers 45 to 67 bucks an hour. Something's got to break. So production's just going to go away from up there, and it's going to be like water. It's going to find its level, and it's going to go elsewhere. Well, thanks right. for chiming in on that. Um, no problem. Thanks. The... Uh, and the the recession in the late 70s, early 80s, 80%, 80 percent of the industrial jobs lost in the United States, in the various states, were 80 percent were in New York. Uh, they moved to foreign countries or they moved south. Did you know that? Oh, sure. 80%, 80%. Yeah, it's been happening for decades and decades, yeah. I mean, it's it's really kind of sad. Now, as far as the robotics go and the production of electric cars, it takes a lot less people to make an electric vehicle because there's not as many moving parts in them. And uh, you don't have a motor that has to have 15 or 20 subcontractors sending parts in like carburetors and uh, water pumps and AC units and all that. So that's going to tremendous. That's going to drop tremendously the number of workers it takes and, of course, with robotics, you can eliminate a lot more workers that way. So uh, if we can automate, and even though it will take jobs away from these people who are in the United Auto Workers Union, uh, it will certainly be one way to keep uh, production here at home. 
by using our vast uh, wealth of knowledge and technology. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. And people can be retrained to do other things. There'll be plenty of things to do. You know, computers were going to replace all of us. They haven't. They've only created more jobs. And I don't think that AI is going to replace us. I don't see that coming. And I certainly don't see robots replacing us completely. Uh, but I think that they will enhance the productivity of the country if they're properly applied. So, uh, What about AI-controlled, AI-controlled robots? Well, I mean, somebody's still going to have to write the programming and oversee it. Look, look, at, the, look at the computers. The computers are going to do everything. They can't do anything without, you know, 20 guys and gals sitting there tapping away at a keyboard. I mean, they just can't. Uh, We had uh, our x-ray reader go down. We've got, as you know, we have a a digital x-ray reader in the office. So we can take a regular old x-ray with x-rays, but the reader now, it's not uh, a piece of film that you dunk in some solution. It's a big, uh, like a big disk drive or a big uh, uh, CD and you stick it in there and it reads it and it pops up on the computer. And we lost all of that. And guess what? We had to have a guy come out from GE and fix it. And then I said, look, can you push this to my desk so I don't have to walk all the way back here to the other end of the office to see an x-ray when I'm busy? And he said he didn't know how to do that, but he's got a friend that does. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it's jobs are there. The jobs are there. You have to be willing to train. You have to be willing to adjust. Uh, you have to be willing to be flexible, and nothing is ever so constant as change. And that, that's even in medicine. I mean, we've had to reorganize our whole way of thinking in the past 50 to 100 years. I mean, things have changed so much, Ken, that it's just not, uh, it's just not possible to not uh, be flexible if you want to survive. You have to change with the times. Yeah. You got to stay up with the technology. You got to stay up. And, uh, and, and uh, by the way, what's happening with our, our uh, stand guy in the uh, Mr. Green thumb, is he going off air? Uh, Yeah. He's uh, going back into retirement, I guess. Oh, well, that's too bad. Any rate, I enjoy listening to some of his show. And uh, he said something that was interesting. He said, plant more trees so that we can eat up more carbon dioxide and create more oxygen. Did you know, Ken, that a well-manicured lawn will produce more oxygen and eat up more carbon dioxide than a tree in your yard? Didn't know that. Not my lawn. <laughs> no, if it's well-manicured. Well, okay, let's be well manicured. Here, yes. Get those two words. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because if you think about it, and I read the study years ago that, that showed this, and they show it by the amount of nitrogen that's being taken out of the soil, because nitrogen is, uh, uh, as you know, one of the things that plants need to grow. So that's one of the big parts of, uh, of uh, fertilizer and of, of your dung, your poop that we, you know, your right. cow poop that sure. draw in there. So uh, they actually measured it by acreage. And uh, a well-manicured lawn, and you think about it, and I thought, how can that be? Then you think about it. Think about the surface area of a well-manicured lawn, of of the blades of grass, the massive, massive amount of uh, area that is exposed to the sun and has the ability to photosynthesize and and take carbon dioxide and spit out and exhale oxygen. So, um, And then that that, whole neighborhood of lawns, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and trees are nice. I love right. trees. I hug one every day just to make sure they understand I'm not mad at them. And then I cut them down. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in my way, damn it. Well. <laughs> they're dropping leaves all over the place. <laughs> that I don't like about them. That's uh, No, we can't have that. That's no. fun. They foul up the gutters. So then we... We we have all this problem of what are we going to do with the carbon dioxide? Well, we can stop creating it by just going nuclear. Come on. What? Oh, come on. I mean, this is just ridiculous. What are we waiting for? And uh, I, I don't know. People say, well, it'll take 20 or 30 years to build one plant. Now you just build a bunch of little, like those little jet engines I was telling you about. You can build the mini plants that'll feed a city of 50,000. If you have a city of 500,000, you got... You got ten of them, and uh, or you you build a couple of bigger ones, and the containment housing's a lot smaller, and the amount of waste that you have to deal with is a lot smaller, and the upkeep is easier. You know, you change the rotors, you change the the uh, the uh, axle, you you do a few things here and there over the years, but nobody listens to me, Ken. Well, I think I think they are going to start. To tell you the truth, I think the, I think we are finally, finally getting by that whole nuclear, ooh, ick kind of feeling. By the way, um, you see the, um, you're looking at the video, you see the uh, Fukushima plant behind me there? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be taking the bullet train from, we're, we're leaving on vacation Friday. By the way, I don't think I'll be able to do the show on Sunday next week because of the uh, time difference, and I don't know when we're going to actually get into the hotel. But if I can do it, I will. But if I can't, I won't. Well, we'll have a best of show ready for you. All right. So at any rate, so then we take the bullet train from Hokkaido, which is the northernmost island and the northernmost prefecture, and we take that bullet train down to Tokyo, and we go right by, right by the Fukushima plant. So I'm going to wave when I go by. <laughs> well, don't get out and collect any... Uh... Souvenirs there. <laughs> Don't pick up any soil. Not, not, any not there. No. The no, 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 no. <laughs> so, uh, are you concerned about these hypersonic weapons? Yes and no. Okay. I'm concerned we don't have one. At least not okay. one that's uh, tested and ready to go. Um, but they are being shot down, apparently, in Ukraine by Patriot missiles. Yes, they are. And, so, uh, I'm not as concerned as I was a year ago. And also, I want to go over some of this because I think there's some hysteria, uh, and maybe this is partly created to uh, to push us to arm, you know, just like uh, Thermistines did uh, 2,500 years ago when he said some little island was going to attack Athens and we have to build up our navy, but the real threat was the Persians or were the Persians, and they ended up building a, what, three or 400 armada fleet, and the Persians came with a 1,000 ships. A thousand ships. Can you believe that? That's a lot. Yeah. At that time. And I mean, yeah, they weren't as big as our ships, but you know, and 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 the Athenians, the Greeks won. They defeated them. And so some of this is a way of preparing people for a potential war. And you say, Well, war is a bad thing. I don't want war. I don't want to see people killed. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm not gonna be able to stop war completely. Not in my lifetime. Now maybe in your lifetime, because you'll live much longer than me. No, not likely. I think war is just instinctive in us these days. I think without conflict, there's no growth. That's the bottom line. And unfortunately, when you got men and you got testosterone, 
Um, you've got conflict. I mean, you know, you put three doctors in a room and give them one topic to come out with a consensus on, and they'll come out with five different opinions. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, so I don't. Anyway, I don't think it can be. It can never be avoided. Totally, I don't think. Maybe we'll evolve past that, but uh, I don't know. But at any rate, here's the thing, Ken. Look, you're shooting something that's moving at 20,000 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. In the atmosphere. And what's it moving through? It's not moving through a void. It's moving through soup. It's moving through oxygen and nitrogen and water vapor and uh, particles of dust and whatever else is floating around. So you're talking about 5.55 miles per second per second. So that means that I could go from my desk here to my office in a second. (laughs) It's generating a lot of heat, I would imagine, on that. It's generating a lot of heat. So what happens when you generate that that high of a temperature? You know, you get up to about four or 5,000 degrees Kelvin. First, you have to have a skin that can survive that. You have to have some. Yeah. And that it it won't burn the vehicle up. So it's pretty high tech stuff. You know, we put the, uh, the, the uh, ceramic tiles on the space shuttle so that we could bring it back in without burning up. And you have to figure out some way to do this. Uh, and I don't know if the, we have developed it, but we supposedly have not released it. Apparently the Chinese may have gotten it. I was reading an article about a year ago. must have been on now that about uh, supersonic, these uh, weapons and the fact that they get so hot on the nose that, like when you see, uh, well, for instance, when we had the Apollo return from the moon, and any any or any spacecraft, you can't talk to these people inside because you have a plasma bubble that forms on the tip of uh, the air, the spacecraft. So it's covered in plasma. You can't get the radio signals through. They say the same thing happens to these supersonic missiles. You'll get plasma on the cone, and it has to slow down before it can turn on its radar and find the ship or whatever it is he's trying to find. So that's when they're vulnerable. And the plasma, as we've explained before on the show, is when you take a a substance, you know, an atomic substance like oxygen or nitrogen, and you heat it up to 5,000 degrees Kelvin or whatever, um, the electrons dissociate from the nuclei of the of the atoms and so you have this it's a pool of plasma and and uh, this is what the sailors would call saint elmo's fire they would see these plasma balls develop in the atmosphere during a thunderstorm because of the intense heat and they didn't last very long by the way that's probably a lot of the quote quote uh, unidentified flying objects that are being seen as just plasma balls coming through the atmosphere at any rate, you get this plasma and nothing can get through. And plus, it, it's it's very corrosive. I mean, it'll, you know, I've been working on my plasma weapon in the garage. Now the garage. <laughs> How's that coming? Yeah. That's coming well. I yeah. think I'm going to take out Moscow next yeah, week. Yeah, laser's Keep working all right. You got the lasers working now and everything, yeah. I got the lasers. Um, I'm still trying to negotiate with uh, Duke Energy to give me a couple of million more kilowatts of power. <laughs> Uh, but something about putting a step-up generator here that's the size of, uh, of uh, you know, a football field, uh, the neighbors aren't for that. Well, you know, they, what can, you they can be picky, those neighbors. Ignore So, yeah, the so plasma on the tip of this missile, missile means it has to slow down so it can acquire its target. 
with its radar. Okay. That's one thing. The plasma is is a real difficult problem to overcome when you're moving at 20,000 miles an hour through a, a, a soup like this. That That's a big problem. The next problem is, what about an error in, in your trajectory? Did you know that if you're off one degree going around the equator, you will be 500 miles off course when you get back around? <laughs> really? 500 miles. So the distance from uh, Xi'an, China to Tampa, Florida, and Xi'an's in the north central part of, of China. I figure they probably had some nuclears up there somewhere. Looked like fertile area for that is about 8,069 miles. So we'll say 8,000 miles. So uh, you divide 25 by eight and it's about what a third. So, you know, a third of 500 is going to be what uh, 160 miles. So one degree off and you're off by 160 miles. So let's say you're shooting for, uh, for the base over in Tampa, 160 miles. You're going to be out in the Atlantic. <laughs> you're not even going to get there. Yeah. You know, and so this is, I think there's a lot of hype and uh, it's meant to scare us from the Russians and the Chinese, but also I think it's a, it's a way of our, our government and our planners to say, we got to get ready. And that's okay. I don't have a problem with, with getting ready. And you think about uh, a, a ballistic intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missile, it goes a lot faster than that once it gets outside of the atmosphere. Uh, but the problem with that is that you know the trajectory. It's it's fairly predictable, and uh, you can shoot it down sooner, if not later. But still, it's not going to be easy. I mean, you know, we're we're still you are still hitting a bullet with a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still hitting a bullet with a bullet, and you have to be a pretty damn good shot to do that. And although I'm a well, I don't know if I am anymore, getting older and a little shaky. But in my youth, I I probably could have hit it uh, if I had known that the ICBM was coming in with my 22. Take it out with your 22, right? With my 22 or my pellet gun, even. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am hopeful. Now, once I heard a Patriot was able to take it out, I knew we were in probably pretty good shape. So you've got a number of problems. You've got drag. Right. You've got the production of plasma. You've got uh, the the uh, problem with uh, being off by even a tenth of a degree. You're going to miss your target moving at that speed uh, over those distances. And, and you say, well, what is a degree? Well, you take a circle, and the circle is divided into 360 degrees. So uh, one degree is one little piece of a circle. And, um, you know, you, you're talking about a pretty small thing. Now, if you spread it out over the, the whole surface of the Earth, it's, it's a little bit more that you have to be off. But when you're moving at 20,000 miles an hour, you know, a hiccup, and that thing's going to be off. It, it bumps into uh, um, a piece of space rock, and it's going to be off. So I'm not that worried about it, and I don't want people to to get too panicked over it. And But I'll let you know how my plasma weapon works. Well, I hear they're much better at, at taking out buildings and, uh, than the ships because they can't deal with the moving ship. They're pre-programmed to hit a target. Yeah, and, and you also have to remember that when you create that uh, that high of a velocity through through uh, a medium, that the shock waves, the sound waves, are going to become a problem and interfere with the uh, with the ship too. So you're going to have to design something that can stay stable as it moves through its own shock wave. Yeah. You know, it's pushing a wave in front of it, Ken. That's true. Yeah, and so there, there's just a whole number of things that, that we have to think about. 
and uh, and realize that it's not uh, it's not there yet. And I'm not that worried about hypersonic missiles coming from Russia. Hell, I'm not worried about anything coming from Russia. Maybe Olga. She might scare <laughs> me. But... <laughs> what about China? They have these too, though. And I have a feeling theirs may work a little better than Russia's. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, still they have all the same things to overcome. They do, and we, yeah. And so do we. And, and we. We tried these back in the early 2000s, and, and Reagan su- uh, suggested these back in the 1980s that we would create some hypersonic weaponry. And, uh, you know, it was looked at, and it was considered feasible but uh, not practical or too expensive or not necessary. And we'll see. I mean, that may be the, uh, the fact here. We may be better off working on things like laser weapons, uh, stealthier planes. and uh, I'm all for so, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I uh, we're that. getting pretty close on these lasers. They're, they're getting pretty close to putting them on ships, and I think maybe some have been already deployed. I don't know, but um, they're getting and, and, much closer. And our, and our drones and our unarmed uh, 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 weaponry, I mean, that really, that's where we need to go. Yeah. Uh, that And there you go. See, you already have to have somebody sitting there working the computer. So we're back to, uh, will the computers put us out of work? No, <laughs> they'll make more work. I love it. Did you hear about the cyber attack out in uh, Las Vegas? I have not heard about this. Who did they take out? They took out the Bellagio and about five or six casinos that are uh, owned by MGM. They attacked MGM, and uh, everything went down for a day, and people were standing in lines for two hours to check in, and Ooh. clipboards were out, and you know they had workers taking names and getting them to their rooms, and elevators stopped. Uh, of course, the electronic gizmos like the 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 uh, slot machines, they all went down and I don't know how much money they lost, but uh, I think they're back on track now. But they had to get everybody. I mean, they you know, everybody was out in the lobby, all the workers, on the kitchen guys, everybody out there trying to get things organized because you had what tens of thousands of people coming in for conventions and vacations and. Uh, you know, they they had hand-washing stations that were, of course, overwhelmed because all the women were fighting each other to get there first. And uh, the casino was a, in an uproar. So oh, the blackjack table was still open, though. Well, you see, if you're, if you're a casino, there's a lesson for you. Make sure if you have a hacker in the house that he wins. Yeah, don't get him mad. Don't get him angry. <laughs> <laughs> go back to the room and take the whole place down. So, yeah, buffet workers were even out there writing down credit card numbers. And uh, Oh, man, they, they went back was, in the 70s, didn't they? Yeah, all parking was free. And, of course, the ATMs were down inside the hotel, so you couldn't get money. So you had to go to the <laughs> bank, uh, you know, two miles away. And it was an extended exercise in patience, according to one source, and I can believe that. This is the casino's worst nightmare. The ATM machines are down. Oh, no. Oh, my God. What will we have to do? <laughs> well, we're going to take a break here. First, a question, though, Doc. we got to have a question. Yeah. Tim. We need a question. This is for um, two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs, to be delivered via the, the mailman to your house. Phone number to call is 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. If you're the first to answer this question, you will be our winner. And the question is, where's Doc going on his vacation? We touched, we touched about it at the beginning of the show. If you know 
what country Doc is going on his vacation, then uh, give us a call right now, 877-969-8600. The uh, first caller will win. Ain't that right, Doc? That's right. And by the way, our winner last week, I think it was Bobby. Was it Bobby? I can't remember. Could have um, been. I, I don't think I have the right address, Bobby. So if you could give Ken a call, it's probably not your fault. Ken's you know, <laughs> half deaf and going blind. The, too. No, it's so. finger, the, the buttons are very small. The fingers are very big. That's the problem. Yeah, you know, that's the problem. That's my problem, too. I'm trying to put together a computer, and I'm getting my fingers stuck in between the uh, the uh, the memory chips. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't text for any uh, – I can't text anybody because I keep making so many mistakes. They don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so right, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be back. back. I'm Dr. Bill, and I'm at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Bobby, if you want to call the office Monday and give the information to my girls – uh, that'll work too, but track him first. We'll see if we can figure it out. I'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill. Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un on his way home from Russia at the end of a six-day trip that triggered global concerns about weapons transfer deals between two countries locked in separate standoffs with the West. Kim began his journey back to North Korea early today aboard his armored train following a farewell ceremony at a Russian train station. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton back in office after winning acquittal on impeachment charges over accusations of corruption and bribery. But the verdict is inflaming rifts within the Texas GOP that surrounded his impeachment in the first place. Conservative allies of the AG say they'll target Republican legislators who investigated him in the first place. And an armed man accused of impersonating a federal officer was taken into custody outside of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s campaign event in Los Angeles Friday. This is SRN News. AM860, The Answer. Listen on our website, TheAnswerTampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ Dunedin. By downloading The Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare Clinic, offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727 384 When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. 
Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Intervals of clouds and sun today with widely separated thunderstorms. It'll be humid with a high of 89. Patchy clouds tonight, a thunderstorm in a couple of spots, low 79. Clouds and sun tomorrow with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm, mainly later. Tomorrow's high, 93. Get your weather news when and how you want it wherever you are. Download our free app or visit AccuWeather.com. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Drew Shannon for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. You there, Ken? I sure am. All right. By the way, I, I wanted to tell you that back in 2012, the Pentagon did test a hypersonic uh, vehicle over the Pacific. And uh, it was launched from um, uh, from a Minotaur four rocket in the upper atmosphere. So I think we probably may be further along than we are willing to admit, as, as we often uh, do. I mean, you know, the art of war is deception. Well, yeah, I, it's always silly really to tell you tell your um, potential enemy what what uh, powers you have and don't have. <laughs> and did you see where Mitt Romney is not going to run? Thank God. Yeah, I heard he's going back into business. I guess he's just a freaking carpetbagger anyway. Uh, so, is, how many terms did he have in there? Two, I guess. No, this was just in one term. Just his first term. Okay. Yeah, you know, his dad was uh, governor of Michigan. And uh, a businessman, and of course, he was governor of Massachusetts, and then decided that he wanted to be in the Senate because he didn't make it in in the presidential race. He's really not one of us. Uh, he uh, moved out to Utah because he is a Mormon, and he thought he could get some traction there, and apparently he did. But uh, well, his... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm saying I I won't miss him. <laughs> no, I won't miss him either. You know he. he and he, he called Trump a demagogue. He hates Trump. He does, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't take being criticized very well. This guy's rich. I mean, he is rich. He's got homes all over the country. Dang. Yeah, I did. yeah he's got no problem. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. He's going to be fine. And so, uh, and then he turned words on, on, uh, on Sleepy Joe, who said uh, when he was running that uh, – Joe said this, that he was a transitional figure to the next generation. Romney says, well, time to transition. (laughs) I love it. And, of course, uh, uh, Jean-Pierre, she got all upset and ranted and raved and didn't like that. Hurt her little feelings. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you whose feelings have not been hurt today. Robert Pryor. Robert Pryor. Did he come before? Oh, no, that's another Pryor. (laughs) This is Robert Pryor, St. Petersburg. He's probably feeling right, pretty good right now because he just won himself to Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs, because he, he had the correct answer to today's question. Today's question was, where is Doc going on vacation next week? The correct answer is, Doc? Japan. Japan, that's right. Congratulations. Japan, here we come. Congratulations to Robert and to the others who called in. Didn't have the right answer, but we thank you for calling in anyway. 
Uh, yes, and Robert, we just love having you on the show, and, uh, and we we love everybody on the show. It, 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 this is just fun, and we have a good time, and we appreciate the support we get from from the folks in the Tampa Bay area, and from people I'm sure outside of the area who watch us on Zoom. And, I mean, on uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, and I don't know where else it's going. We'll figure it out. Hey, we're getting better at this, though, Ken. Well, we're that's good. Better. You're 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 spreading out. And, and you're and you're doing well learning how to use Zoom. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. You're doing a good job. Computers hate me. They they really do. No. And, I, and I married an IT specialist. Well, why don't you bring her on the show on, she, on Sunday? Let her run things. She would do very well. Well, I, I don't think she wants to be on the air. She probably could help off the air, though. Yeah, well, she doesn't have to be seen. Well, she, tell her she, we'll throw her a couple of bucks. I once, put, I once put her on the air one night, uh, about, about 2 in the morning. We were, actually, we were coming back. I was coming back with, the, with my program director from a casino, and we thought it would be fun to put Deborah on the air. So we did. And she said, for tonight, sunny skies. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that was the last time she wanted to go on the air. And it's in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, it was in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning. That's right. For tonight, sunny skies. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. Well, what are you going to so do? This, so this Ohio uh, murder suspect, uh, he flees the, the state of Ohio. He steals a van and drives down to Georgia, down to Fayette County, which is uh, one of the counties south of Atlanta. And he goes to a fairly well-to-do neighborhood, and he breaks into somebody's house. Well, guess who's standing there with a rifle? Oh. <laughs> the, the owner. I'll bet. <laughs> and, and uh, so uh, he he's gone his way back after he faces charges in, in Georgia. Uh, then he's on his way back to Ohio for murder charges. <laughs> well, picked the wrong house today, guy. He uh, he doesn't look like a very nice man. He doesn't look very happy. But uh, well, you know, most well, murderers don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what else so, is going on? Uh, what's uh, what's going on in Ukraine? Anything happening there? I guess they've got at least some uh, portion of that first line of defense of the Russians out of the way, and they're moving towards yeah, the second I, I line. I think they broke through at one point, and, uh, of course, the Russians are not saying much, which means they're probably losing. You know, when they, you know, when they take territory, they'll let you know, but when they're given back, they're not saying anything. And I guess they took out a, uh, the Ukrainians took out a submarine or at least damaged it pretty pretty severely. Which was uh, impressive. Get get all their nuclear submarines and take them out. You know, I'm not sure if this one was nuclear, but it, it was, it's, it's, it was in dry dock, so it's not going anywhere for a while. There you go. If it, why would they have a nuclear sub in the in the uh, in the Black Sea? I don't know. I mean, are they going to nuke Europe or what? No, they're firing uh, cruise missiles from it. Oh, okay. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Not for a Not while. Anymore. Not for a while. Conventional weapons are down for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, the the problem here is that uh, the, the Europeans are actually contributing, and but but the um, anti involvement in European war group in the United States is saying we're carrying too much of the burden. But if you look at the reality of the situation there, uh, that's just not true because the Europeans are supplying them things other than money. And uh, so there's there's a there's a there's two sides to that coin, so to speak. And, I, I, you know, I, I think the real question mark is what will Germany do? 
and have they been lackluster in their response? Uh, certainly the Baltics and the Poles and the Swedes and the Finns, they're, they're very concerned because they're, you know, right there. at the Well, they're on the front line. Yeah. Yeah. They're on the front lines. And uh, I don't know what Belarus is going to do there. Of course, they don't want to get, get Putin mad at him or he might kill their president who doesn't want to die apparently. Well, he's got, he's got an election coming up, I guess, next year. Putin? Yeah, but, I mean, that's all fixed. Well, it may be fixed against him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's The, the Politburo, all know. those guys, it they, 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 may be time. They may convince him that it's time to step down, or we're just going to put somebody else in there. Did you see him and Kim Jong-un standing together? I didn't realize. I mean, Kim Jong-un's, what, four feet tall? <laughs> uh, yeah. And Putin was maybe an inch taller than that. <laughs> he's a little guy. He's a shrimpy little I did, guy. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a, not very big. And uh, Kim Jong-un's chunked up nicely. Uh, but uh, Putin's kept his, his boyish figure. Did so, he have his shirt on or did he have the shirt off? He had it on for okay. that. All he, right. In a formal meeting, he actually had on a tie. And he looked looked nice, you know, for, for a thug. He I guess his, uh, they were talking about his feet doing some weird things during these meetings. We're shaking, and they kept shaking. His feet, one of his foot, his left foot, I think it was, kept shaking, and you could see oh my him. God. You could see He's, him trying to stop it. He caught Biden's Parkinson's disease. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's, at any rate, that's so what's going on over there? Yeah. So now we've got the the big thing is the fight uh, within the Republican uh, candidates, the primary candidates, as to whether or not to take the the new COVID vaccine. And like, like I told you last week, our state surgeon general said, no, he wasn't sure about it. And we shouldn't let Floridians be uh, uh, guinea pigs for this. And, uh, and then I guess DeSantis, of course, the the Washington Post made it sound like DeSantis was anti-vaccines. DeSantis said for people under 65, he doesn't recommend it right now because we don't know if it's necessary and we don't know if there are side effects that are going to come out of this. And uh, well, that same so, thing you pretty much said under 65, you really don't need it at this point. You know, it, it's probably uh optional. Uh, we'll see how egregious this is, um, and, and wait and see what the CDC has to say. I may have to argue with them and get kicked off of Facebook and YouTube again, <laughs> but in the meantime, <laughs> we will continue to speak the truth here and guide you through this. Now, I'm going to take it, Ken. And you are too. I'm like we're both over. You're sort of over sixty-five. Yeah, and when you're and you're chronically ill because you smoke and you you can't hear or see and or eat. How, or how do you do radio? That's what everybody wants to know. Headphones, headphones up really loud, and you can do radio. <laughs> and now we know why the the board is so confusing for you. You can't see colors. <laughs> Joe's, Joe is our main uh, ramrod over at the station, and he's color-coded all the buttons for Ken on the <laughs> – We got to get some ADA help in here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At any rate, I, I, again, I say that the, the side effects, the, the, the percentage of people who get myocarditis or, you know, have some serious deleterious effect from the – vaccine is much, much smaller than people who actually get the virus and have the disease and, and uh, you know, get this quote, quote, long COVID, which we talked about last week, which is not the virus, it's your autoimmune systems overreaction to it. But, 
you may be predisposed, you may have some autoimmune problem that uh, would have come to life later anyway, like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or uh, pulmonary fibrosis, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. There's a whole bunch of diseases. And the immune system is uh, very finicky. You know, it's very finicky. Uh, the uh, the little uh, lymphocytes are are smart little cells, but like anything smart, they can get confused. Hmm. So complicated, the, complicated body we have, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it's we think it's this one really uh, uh, homogeneous. Uh, everybody gets along and works together environment. And most of the organs don't know what any other organ is doing, and they don't really care, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My job is to keep on beating. That's all I know. Yeah. You know, all I'm supposed to do is pump, or all I'm supposed to do is pee out waste. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it. I mean, that's that's a fact. Uh, and the lymphocytes, their job is to protect against invaders. And it's it's like friendly fire. That happens. I mean, it happens. You have friendly fire. So you can be in the front lines and you can be defending your country. So your body you attacks your body attacks yourself. Yeah, and you and you call it an artillery strike on the enemy who's only fifty yards away, and the <laughs> shell falls a little short. You know, whoops. The same with the lymphocytes. Okay. So uh, at any rate, now there's some uh, research out. I don't know how valid it is that the virus actually can cause long-term damage. Uh, to cells, to the energy production of, of these cells, the little mitochondria, which are like little uh, cells within the cell that have uh, little factories that, that make the energy that we need to, uh, to drive all of our other functions. So we don't know if this is real or not because it's being looked at in rats and, you know, it's, it's still in the research phase. I don't think it's anything that's going to uh, alter humanity, uh, but, uh, it may be adding to some of this quote, quote, long COVID, which may also be an autoimmune response within the cell, because even inside the cell, there are, uh, there are uh, antigen antibody reactions. So it's not just in the bloodstream or in the tissues, Ken. This is a, a problem we have to think about and look at. Hmm. But in the interim, the take-home message is, if you're concerned, Get get the get the hypo, get the needle, get the shot, get the vaccine. Well, I'll probably be over the office. I'll go, get over to the office, get one of these things. Yeah, I got to get back online and order some more from uh, the state. And uh, what about the regular got, flu shot this year? You no, know, the regular flu shot we've been giving it out like crazy. That stuff's going like water. That's hotcakes, baby. Is it um, worth it? Yeah, it's a live attenuated. It's a quadrivalent. So there's four different strains, two strains of A, two strains of B. And, you know, they use the H and the N designation to uh, to uh, give the capsular strains their different uh, designations or different names. And so how the, how the flu virus vaccine works is we guess, well, not me personally, but the, the guys at the, at the researchers at the CDC and NIH and you know around the country and the world, everybody gets together and they guess at what strains are going to be prevalent this fall, this winter, and then they start making the vaccine back in the spring and summer. You know they can see from from the research done on on uh, epidemics how these things spread around, and they say, well, look, there's a pocket of this here. Looks like that's going to be the thing that's going to come around, and then we make the vaccines. They're probably about seventy-five to eighty percent on target. So about 20% of the time, uh, we miss the, the strain. 
but we're pretty good about it. And 80% is better than nothing, way better than nothing. It's like the mask, you know, it's like the, the double ply cotton mask to block the transmission of the, uh, of the COVID virus. It's about 80% effective if you wear it right, Ken. And it's better than nothing. And it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Hell, a t-shirt, you know, double, tripled, quadrupled over, wrapped around your face is better than nothing. Uh, especially if you're the carrier of the virus, because that'll cut down on you transmitting it to me. Right. And, and of course, we, we care about you, but not as much as we care about me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, my God. Well, we'll, we'll, come, well, we'll come again. Well, there must, there must be at some point, I would think, that COVID will be included in this shot. Mm. Or not. The manufacturing process is different. You got to remember that the uh, Pfizer Moderna vaccine, which is the vaccine that we use in the United States, and is really the most effective is is a, uh, an mRNA, a messenger RNA vaccine. So that is uh, produced by cells by um, putting certain genetic information into those cells, so that they will make this uh, mRNA that we can then harvest. So it's a whole different process. Whereas the flu vaccine is generally the actual flu virus that's live inactivated. So you take this, you take this virus and you grow it and then you run it through formalin or whatever, and you inactivate it. You basically make it so it can't reproduce. And then you shoot that into the body. So there, there are two different vehicles that you have to use to preserve these. Uh, There's two different, I mean, there, there may be a time when you can mix them, but, uh, I mean, if you're a weenie and you only want one shot, uh, <laughs> I would say if you're under 65, get the flu. If you're over 65, don't be a weenie. Get you, have, you have two arms, take two shots. Yeah, come on, grow up. And you can get them at the same time, Ken. You don't have to come back two weeks later or anything like that. What's the side effects, if any? What the flu or, or the, the flu? Uh, the flu one, yeah, the new flu one. The uh, well, the flu, you know, you're gonna your arm will get a little bit sore. Oh yeah, so. people will have a reaction to it. Rarely, you're gonna have the same kind of side effects that you have with uh, with the uh, COVID vaccine, where you can have myocardial inflammation, you can have a, a Guillain-Barré syndrome, but those are very rare. We did see the Guillain-Barré uh, with the swine flu vaccine back in the 70s, but the number of cases were really small. But they were dramatic. And I took care of a, a, one of those folks. Uh, usually you recover, but it may take months, mm-hmm. months to recover. You can be completely paralyzed in the meantime. Whoa. So, but that's so rare. It's just not worth worrying about. I mean, you're more likely going to get run over like this guy. This uh, Did you see where this guy got ran over? He was riding his bike. He was a retired uh, head of the police department in one of the cities out there in Las Vegas. A couple of teenagers intentionally ran him over and killed him. Oh, man. So, I mean, you, you run the risk uh, when you walk out of your house of getting run over. Let's face it. And that risk is probably much higher than having an adverse reaction from, from a vaccine. So, True. There's a better chance you're going to slip and fall in your bathroom and knock yourself out on the toilet, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Much better. And, uh, and, and. And that's just the reality of the situation. And that's why I tell my older patients, including me, don't use a ladder. Don't climb up on ladders. The, 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 the orthopods love them, you know, because they break <laughs> hips and elbows. And uh, But uh, if you have to go up 
and do something. Uh, it would be better to get a, one of these uh, ultra safe uh, wide platform step stools. You know what I'm talking about? The little three steppers. Yeah, sure. Those are safer. And if you really have to go up high, um, just go rent some scaffolding, have somebody put it up for you and you can go up on that. That's much, much safer than, uh, than being on a ladder. Ladders are just so dangerous. Uh, we had a guy out here at the townhouses looking at the roofs and he was going up, you know, 30, 35 feet on the ladder. And in the old days, I would have gone up there with him and I said, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're, you're on your own, bud. <laughs> yeah. Those lean twos, I, I never have felt comfortable on them. Uh, you know, they're, they're dangerous. They are. They are. Look, if you do this every day for a living, like this guy does, uh, it's different because he's used to it. And, but, uh, for old farts like me and you who don't do it every day, Ken. Well, I finally we, went out and bought myself a six foot, uh, um, uh, what do you call them? You just said it a second ago. Step ladder. Step, not a step ladder. The, uh, scaffolding, little six foot scaffolding. Oh yeah. The scaffolding. And you can get that. We've got a little piece in here and it's narrow. You can roll it into the house and yeah. change light bulbs and, and uh, AC filters and all that. And that's the way to go. And I think they cost, what, 150 200 bucks. Yeah, it's nothing at all. And it makes the painting the ceiling much safer, much easier, actually. Things like that. So uh, in China, guess what they're doing over there? A completely different approach to lowering health care costs. They've arrested hospital administrators for corruption. They've got 200 hospitals they've closed down. That'll cut down, that'll cut down on expenses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like China when they do things like that. Remember the yeah. uh, the big to-do we were all having when the calendar was going to change to 2000? Everybody's saying the all the computers are going to stop working because they can't deal with the 2000. Remember that? Oh, yes, I do. Absolutely. Okay, well, the uh, the Chinese sent the head of their aeronautic division up into the air at midnight after he declared it safe. So they said, what's well, safe? Okay, <laughs> we want you in the air at midnight when it all changes. <laughs> he said, ah, okay, no problem. And he went up and everything was fine, obviously. But Well, they had champagne and caviar on board. I'm yeah, sure they did, yeah. But it yeah. was, you know, I like the way they do business over there sometimes when they make people yeah. responsible. So with the, with the gas prices going up, uh, is that uh, is that putting a pinch in your budget? I mean, you really don't travel that far, do you? I travel seventy miles a day. Really, from Sun City to here, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So that's so, yeah. I'm not an electric car. I'm not in the electric car mode yet because I travel too far every day. And here's the thing, Ken. You're not just talking about gas. You're talking about diesel. Oh yeah. Diesel and, and you know, trucks carry. Uh, a large proportion of our goods that are delivered to our stores and our our car dealers and uh, everywhere else, and you know this is this is a big deal. This yeah. is a big deal, and, and it's gonna it's going to hurt more the little guy than the big guy, but it hurts everybody, as you know. Doc, we got about forty five seconds left. You want to give the uh, office address, phone number, and all that? I do. And we are at six three nine nine thirty eighth Avenue North in St. Petersburg, Florida. We are accepting new patients. And uh, the phone number is 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. And by the way, we're, we're morphing away from DoxyMe to Zoom for our telemedicine calls. I'm going to have a new ad out for that. But the Zoom link we will send you takes a little bit extra time if you don't have Zoom on your cell phone to, to download it, but it's not that hard. Basically the same thing. I am Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and I'm with Ken, and we've been having fun today, buddy. Say goodbye, Doc. 
Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Can Care Clinic. 